are pumped about a five for five. And so I want you to help me introduce to the stage five dream teamers. Most of them are not, I don't know if any of them are professional speakers, but they are dream teamers who serve week in and week out, and they have a relationship with the Lord, and they do so many different things. And I want you to give them your best because they have given you their best, praying and preparing a five-minute message each this week. So would you all give it up and make it loud every single time one grabs the mic. Come on, John, get up here. Come on, Ruth, come on up here. Gavin, get up here. Jen, come on up here. And Brett, come on up here. Man, y'all sound like a give it up for the red team. And who votes for the yellow team? Come on, they've prepared a message. They're going to share five minutes each. You get out your notebook. You don't want to get distracted because this is powerful. Come on, John. I'm going to pray, and then you're going to lead us off. God, would you use each one of them, and would you prepare our hearts, hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, y'all give it up for John. Good morning, church. My message today is called Lean on Me. Look at your neighbor and say, Lean on Me. Now, I grew up in a, um, a bad environment. <clears throat> you know, my dad was a career military. He was a POW in the Korean War. My mom was a pediatric nurse. And before it was even termed, there was a lot of PTSD in my home. Lots of drinking, lots of fighting. Growing up, we, we learned how not to be vulnerable. We learned how to show no emotion, trust no one, and never show weakness. For me, this was very damaging. I was molested as a little child saw and did things that I never told anyone about for many years. Half my life, literally half, was spent living lies, literally dying on the inside. Then I met Jesus. Hallelujah. The day I got saved, everything came out of me. The associate pastor in our church in Texas uh, took me to the prayer room, and I literally vomited all over him. All of those things that I had done uh, in my life and that was done to me. From that point on, I lived for God. As I was growing in the Lord, I made mistakes. I sinned. I learned right from wrong. But I learned from people to trust God in all things. I learned from the Holy Spirit to be discerning and to have faith in God. We need people to lean on. The Lone Ranger had Tonto, Matt Dillon had Festus, and Tom had Jerry. I'll give you a minute for that one. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another. Your false steps, your offenses, your mistakes, and pray for one another. Proverbs 27.17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens influences another through discussion. As the body of Christ, we forget that part of our job is to sharpen other brothers and sisters in Christ. We need those sparks of iron, hitting iron, to keep the flame of the Holy Spirit going in our lives, burning in our lives. The world we live in 
makes it hard for this to happen. Fear replaces caring concern to speak the truth. Fear keeps Christians from sharpening other Christians. Fear that they will tell someone else. Fear of becoming vulnerable. Fear that someone will see that you're not perfect. Many people succumb to their suffering by being silent. Guess what? God knows already. And he gave us his word to help conquer the enemy. In Revelation 12, it tells us that they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the lamb and because the word of their testimony. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry literally means to carry off. And burden means that load, that heavy weight. Lean on me. Lean on each other. Don't let fear weigh you down. The one thing that I liked about the leadership of this church, and I'm very fortunate enough to be with people who are committed to being honest with themselves and vulnerable with others. To be with people who are unafraid to speak their suffering out loud and name the practices and truths they discovered through the word that have allowed them to live successfully. This is a magnificent gift this church has, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Lean on me by joining a small group, by going to Freedom Group and talking to other people. <laughs> These are the ways that you can help yourself. And if you've already done that, then a, a good part is listening. Listening not to respond to somebody else's stuff, but listening to heal. The words of the song, lean on me, lean on me. When you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on. It won't be long before I need someone to lean on. God bless you. Remember that there are people in this church that are here for you, and I'm one of them. Thank you. Thank you, John, for that testimony. Like I said before, he's like, I can't relate to that. Um, I'm at an early age. I actually have learned to lean on God by leaning into his word. So that being said, um, the subject that I picked today was about prayers. Why my prayers don't get answered. But before I do that, I'd like to give you a basic definition of what prayer is. Prayer is simply put, talking to God. It's a conversation with God. It's an evolving way of interacting with him. As I was a child, like I said, I was trying to pray, and I was wondering why my prayers were not being answered. So I came, before I give you four reasons why, at least four reasons why, um, prayers don't get answered, I just want to share with you a quote that helped me understand that there are three things that have to be right 
father could not listen. He says like that. If their request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If my heart is wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, if the timing is right, and my heart is right, God says go. The three things that I um, realized when I read that was request, what is the motive, the intention behind that request when you're praying to God? Number two is the timing. Are you ready to receive what you are requesting at the time you are requesting it? And number three is my heart. Is my heart right with God? What the condition of my heart is in when I am approaching God like he said to do? So here are the four things that have to be right in order for God to say go. Number one is unforgiveness. Mark 11, 25, 26 says that when we pray, we have to examine our heart and find out if there is something in there that we are holding on to because somebody offended me, because somebody did something to me that I didn't like. He said that to let it go and then pray. Number two is unbelief. In James 1, 5 and 7 says that when we pray to God, we should not have any doubts in our heart because we will be like the waves on the ocean. You have to believe that what you are praying is in the will of God, which is the word of God. Number three is wrong motives. It's in James 4, 3. It says that when we pray, what's, like I said, what's the condition of your heart? Why are you asking for something? Is it for selfish reasons? Is there like an unrighteous agenda behind it? And number four is unconfessed sin. We all know that sin separates you from God. So if there is something between you and him, that connection that we have when we pray with God will get interrupted. So we need to confess it, and he is so faithful that he will forgive you. So that being said, the first thing that we need to do is examine your heart. In Psalms 139, 23, 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and know my thoughts, and see what is in there. If there's any wicked way in me, and lead me the everlasting way. So it is search me, show me, lead me. Then after that, like I said, you have to examine your heart, go to your prayer room, know what's in there, be honest with yourself, and then listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And right after that, we have to obey his word. We have to do what he is telling us to do. So I truly believe that when we begin to see prayer as a way of building our relationship with God, we will start seeing prayer in a different way, and it will go to a different level. So I want to conclude this with um, 
request timing your heart if they're right then we come to God and we ask him search me show me lead me that's God's part he will do it if you ask for it then it comes to us examine listen and obey and after that we pray pray activates the power of God faith is the second thing that will be what opens the door for us to receive and then patience that is what's going to keep that door open while we wait thank you Ruth for that um, how many of us know that the prayers of our grandmas and mamas uh, that they prayed years and years ago still cover us and guide us and protect us today um, that's how powerful prayer is um, today um, uh, when I found out Drew wanted me to speak in five minutes shy, fall shy of that I, I decided it would be on time management so if you're looking for uh, <laughs> notes or a title it'd be uh, how to uh, be rescued uh, with your time or rescue your time um, Job says that I have no peace I have no quiet I have no rest and trouble keeps on coming um, we have so many areas of our life uh, with work and school and kids and busyness and social media and news and information and change and it's just information overload it's it's really uh, a, a life that we're living where the world does not shut off and we are living fast food and crazy work hours and uh, life online and offline the world truly never does stop and so in that it's really hard to to make plans and to um, live a, a life that's centered around God um, but what is the cure to all this and what I've been doing is I've been reading a book called Margin and that's not to substitute for butter um, Margin is what the author, what the author d uh, defines as the difference between your load and your limit the difference between your load and your limit where your load is what you're carrying your limit is what you can't carry any longer until you break it and so I think the author makes a point and I agree with it that we oftentimes uh, have a load and limit at the same point we're living as limit and load being the same thing and um, as a twin dad um, a toddler's twin dad um, I've had to learn a couple things over the years as far as margin goes and um, if you don't mind I'm going to use some alliteration too because I grew up at a church where they made their points with alliteration so for the first one is L is learn your limits learn your limits we all have them we might not uh, admit that we have them but emotionally physically uh, do we have talent limits um, do we have spatial limits where we can't do anything both at one time we might like to think we can but we have limits and we need to learn those um, and then um, sometimes we also confuse the important with the urgent um, and sometimes um, that can cause us to uh, waste a lot of times on things that don't matter um, David actually says everything has its limits everything I see has its limits in Psalm 1996 um, how do you know what your limits are a good place to start is uh, maybe taking an inventory of your personal health I mean we have headaches and chest pain and uh, migraines and trouble sleeping and high blood pressure and uh, oftentimes because we're living in a world that's just stressing us out we do not have any margin we do not have any space for almost anything and so I'm saying this because I know trust me um, uh, we, we say you know I'll overcommit and God will just show up <laughs> but there's a problem with that and it, it, that's because it's stupid it doesn't work um, God, God won't always show up when you overcommit and so speaking of which we have to make plans and that's my next point is D is detect your difficulties um, my mom is right there I've always wanted to say this hi mom um, I've always wanted to say it just saying 
Um, but she always used to say, um, we make plans and God laughs at them, right? And she's so true, and, and especially to the extent that godless plans are laughable. When we don't include God in our plans, they're laughable. We have to include God in our plans. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 3, sensible people will see trouble coming, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. Many of us probably felt that this morning, potentially, when we got our kids in the car and we're like, oh, I got to get breakfast and go, you know, find coffee, even though Lyft already has coffee here, and then find a parking spot and then get our kids tucked in and put the tag on their back and then walk in and find a seat and maybe use the bathroom and listen to the one song that Lyft plays, even though Lyft plays more than one song. Um, and the, the question is this. If somebody you knew asked you for a ride to church to find Christ this morning, do you have enough space and margin in your life to give them a ride to church this morning? they asked this morning it's a good question to make you think um could it be preventing somebody else from finding god the third one is work your worship don't worship your work w um look at your neighbor and say you better work your worship so uh, we oftentimes think that we need to be there an hour early to get a promotion an hour later to get overtime we need to network with all these people so they know our name but it, it, it's a good thing, but a good thing done overdone is, is a bad thing. A good thing overdone is a bad thing. In Psalm 127, too, it says, It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night. It's a sneaky thing. that It's, it's a good thing, but we just overdo it. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians that I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I will not be mastered by anything. So what do we do? And that brings me to my final point, which is T, is, is to transfer uh, your faith. Transfer, okay, I, I need the alliteration. Transfer your trust. Um, you thought I was going to do the alliteration thing. Okay, I did it. There you go. Some of us uh, maybe have been ordained and to just come here to hear this, that you're not God. And it's, it is out of your control. Um, and that basically we need to wave the white flag and surrender and lay our schedules down at his feet. And we want a, a faith where it's convenient for us to not involve God anything, but a convenient faith is, a convenient faith is worth nothing um, because it costs nothing. Um, and so um, don't walk away thinking, you know, just time management tips today that I've given you. I want you to walk away um, thinking, you know, I, I don't care about at the end of my life about, you know, sending more emails or getting more likes on social media or going to Johnny's travel baseball game and all these things that, man, they don't matter, but that you were able to look back on your life and say, I got to spend time with the people that matter most to me. I got to read the books that changed my life. I got, I got to spend time where it mattered, and I got to, to witness to people and help people know Jesus Christ. You live a life like that, and you won't waste anything. Thank you. That was awesome. Hello. <laughs> um, so does anyone else like to take personality quizzes? Yeah? You know, like those uh, BuzzFeed quizzes you'll see as you're scrolling on Facebook? Um, there's different quizzes like uh, pick some breakfast foods and we'll tell you the first letter of your soulmate. Or, <laughs> or pick some colors and we'll tell you what animal you're most like. You know, they're kind of ridiculous, right? And yet we, we all do it. I do it. Um, yeah, we just mindlessly scroll and do it. I mean, unless you really want to know what kind of animal you are, which I'm a camel, in case you were wondering. <laughs> so.
So <laughs> this morning, let's talk about the topic of identity. And I'm going to share a little bit of my own journey with identity. So it, it just seems like everyone is constantly in search of something or someone to tell them who they are and what they should be doing. And I know, again, this, this is something I'm guilty of. When it comes to the topic of identity, it's something that really hits home to me because it's definitely something that I struggle with a lot. For me, I tend to put my identity into my successes and what makes me successful. Um, I'm also a big planner. So I love lists. I love knowing what to expect and, and planning for everything. And in high school, I had this plan to graduate, go to college, graduate college, and then uh, get a good high-paying job, get married, have kids, and so on. Um, all of this in order to be successful and to look su successful to other people. Because, you know, there's this timeline of getting things done at certain ages. And that was something that I obsessed over. Um, this then leads to comparison, which is a whole other topic that I could go into, too. But I only have five minutes. So my, my timeline did not happen. And, and God had other plans for me, obviously. Um, college didn't work out for me. Um, yeah, and I'm 26 and nothing, again, in that timeline is has, has happened and the control freak in me really spiraled and I hit a really deep depression and severe anxiety and basically an identity crisis I was lost confused frustrated and I had no idea who I was I literally took all of those like career aptitude quizzes that tells you like what career you should have based on your like likes and stuff I was in such desperate search for someone or something to tell me what to do with my life and who I was. And I, want, I wanted other people to look at me and say, oh, she's successful. So, but some people put their identities into other things, like status or reputation, appearance, relationships, spouses, friendships, and even labels placed on you. And, you know, some of those things aren't necessarily bad, but who are you? when they're gone or when they're not there. Some of those things are callings, not identities. Your identity precedes your calling. Your calling was not there before your identity. Your identity is what God knit together in your mother's womb, not a calling you. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and that's the joy of having a relationship with God. He never changes. You know, our, the things we put our identities into, they change all the time. Plans change, people change, circumstances change. But God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, forever, and always. And that's why your identity needs to be in him. And understanding your identity in God starts with three things. One, understanding who he is, which is he's our creator. He gives us life, and he created each of us for a reason. And number two, understanding what he says about himself. He says that he's merciful, he's gracious, compassionate, loving, and slow to anger. 
And number three, understanding what he says about you. We were born sinners, but he says that we are forgiven. When we say we're alone, he says that he is always with us. When we say we are broken, he says we are healed and whole. And you won't be able to learn any of these things if you aren't in your word. And I was not in my word at the time. And to be honest, I still struggle with being consistent in reading the Bible. But here's a verse that touches on identity and can seem simple at first, but it can be really hard to declare about yourself. Psalms 139, 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. And again, this one is not easy to say all the time. You know, we tend to think negatively of ourselves, and majority of our thoughts are negative. You know, we'll say things like, God, why did you make me like this? Why am I so dumb? Why am I not smart enough? Why am I not pretty enough? Or my favorite, why am I not outgoing enough? But seeing yourself as God sees you matters. So no, I'm not where I thought I'd be. I still have no idea where I'm going and what I'm doing, and it drives me nuts. But I'm thankful. I would not be the person I am today without realizing who my identity resides in and what truly matters. I was created on purpose, for purpose, and so are you. I may not know it just yet, and you may not know it just yet, but you really have to trust in what he has for you, which is not easy. Trust is so hard to live out daily. Because, I, again, I still have moments. I, I doubt. I say things like, oh, I should be doing this, or I should be at this point in my life. But at the end of the day, it's not my plan or your plan. It's his plan. And I want to end with this quote by David Wilkerson. When God calls you to something, he is not always calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you. So if you struggle with identity like me, you're not alone. And I encourage you to just trust and be obedient because your obedience will lead you to truly know who you are and what your purpose is. And you won't have to take quizzes anymore. Thank you. How's everybody? All right. Um, so I'm just going to say quick. Uh, he lifts, right? He lifts me up. He lifts you up, he lifts up our congregation, he lifts up the people we love when we're out in the street, when we're trying to share the love of Jesus, he's lifting us as we do that. And for me, you know, the things I do, uh, you know, in my daily life, there's, there's all these moments where the world puts a lot of pressure on me, and, and I put big pressure, and I go straight into, you know, trying to get it done, and I forget to stop to pray and I forget to check in on my faith and I, I forget to act with the confidence that God's already made it done um, and I feel like I'm probably just not alone in that um, there, there's a lot of us that jump straight to the I lift and the we lift and then we can't figure out why is our team breaking down or why do I feel so lonely in this effort or why do I feel depressed or why does it feel like this season is never ending when we know for a fact it says it in our Bible that every season comes to an end. Um, but when the pressure sets in, how often do we actually stop and pray and check on our faith and move forward with confidence that God's already made a way? Um, we need to recognize and be confident that the pressure we feel, those obstacles, are all the platform for the miracles that Jesus does. 
But when we try to take that away, we lose the essence of him who can work in our lives. That's where we're at. Um, smaller miracles, large miracles. He does them all. You know, we've all seen it. Um, we ought to pray for that intercession and the progression that only comes from the Lord. Uh, because um, it's Isaiah 26 and 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. That's where we're at. Trust is a faith action. Do we really trust that we are God's property and have faith that he will honor the word and he will use us for a good and godly purpose here on this earth? We have to really check in on that. Do we trust that? Have we forgotten that never does our book say, hey, Brent, it's uh, 7 a.m. I need you to wake up. I need you to go out. I need you to food, get clothing for everybody. I need you to get you know, some shelter for these folks over here. And these folks over here are hungry, so let's go ahead and get them fed. That's not how it works. He says, pray first. He will intercede. He will provide. That's where we need to be. And, um, you know, it's uh, Zechariah 4 and 6. It says that this kind of work is done not by might or power, but it's done through the spirit. By my spirit is how we're supposed to pray. By my, you know, Jesus. Um, and I truly believe that here in this congregation, we were so fortunate and blessed to hear that last series about Hebrews 11, because we really received the cliff notes on the goats in that Old Testament, you know. And um, I'm, I'm telling you, when I was reading those verses, um, it starts out, and all these, these being the great ones, uh, were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. When I read that line, I panicked. I said, oh, I'm not on that level yet, but you got to keep reading, right? And the, the next line says, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And so when we're looking at that Hebrews, you know, those folks back then, they got to, you know, they got to show up to the tabernacle and there's all these, this form and function that's required to, you know, uh, you know, connect to God. But here we all are. After Jesus has come, and he's been laid down, and he's risen, and now we have a direct path to connection with Jesus Christ and God through that faith. Faith is the key. Faith is what we have now. Um, and an active faith is uh, one that's grown through uh, an active connection, through curiosity. Are we praying? Are we serving Jesus with our words and our deeds to build that relationship? That's where we, 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 we all are trying to be, at least me speaking for myself, that's where I'm headed, I hope. Um, so the next time that the pressure sets in, we need to stop. We need to pray right away, check in on our faith, recognize that God's already made the way and he lifts us up. Um, prayer is the key to that door through which our resolution lies, but it's the faith that's going to open the door. It's the faith that's going to move us through and take us forward. Um, it's just, you know, that, that, that again, Isaiah 26 and 3, that perfect peace that comes when our minds are steadfast because the Lord knows that we trust in him, okay? Do you trust in him this morning? Do you have the faith that he's going to lift you up? That's an that's a, a internal question, and only faith provides the space for the Lord to bring that perfect peace into our, our lives. We've got to have the faith in the Lord for him to bring it in. So... Just want us all to try to remember, stop, 
pray and have faith and watch him lift you and the people around you up for his purpose and his time. Because it's not if you have faith, it's faith of any measure. And it's not faith, and, and faith will suffice. But we also need that discipline and sincerity. We need um, the works and actions, the prayer and service. You know, that's the matter at hand, you know, for uh, what I'd like us to, to, to look at. And, and we, we have all these opportunities here in this church. We can come out and join a small group. We can join a serve. We've got July 9th coming up. You can go online, find something that you can be present for. And presence is, is really the first step because it's amazing the faith that is present when we show up. It's already there. And, and faith redeems. And faith receives everything. And faith alleviates pain. And faith confirms the Lord's commandment to let him intercede because he never lost a battle. All you need is faith and patience, and he's got a plan for a victory that you and I can't conceive. And the Lord is redeeming. The Lord is providing. The Lord is alive in action when you and I are in lacking or in needing state. When we are wanting, the Lord shows up. And the Lord made you in your mother's womb, and he created you in his image as a servant. So there's thoughts and prayers and actions that are pleasing to God. So let's go ahead and let him lift us up. Let him let us be that body that, that he made us all to be. Come on, that's so good. Can y'all give it up for each one of these speakers right now? So, I told you it's a well-balanced diet today. And uh, I'm going to let them go ahead and leave the stage. But I want y'all to give it up for them one more time. Because, listen, they've been praying for the last month. <laughs> they've been preparing, and they did such a phenomenal job. And so many things that are takeaways, and I believe that one of them probably spoke very specifically to you, uh, because that's how the Lord works. He just, He uses the testimonies and the stories and the personalities and the relationships of different people to connect at just the right time, whether it's via relationships or how to pray or even getting your time management so that you are living for what matters most or your identity or, or understanding that God goes before us and he lifts us up and it all starts in a relationship with him. Such good words today. And here's what I want to do. I want to end by uh, giving you an invitation to start new with God. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes. I will not embarrass anybody or call anybody out. I won't call anybody forward. But I do want you to have a moment where you just search your own heart and ask yourself this. Am I right with God. When I think about what Brett just shared last about he lifts, it reminds me of James 4.10, which says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It is a promise that you can stand upon, but it has to be preceded with our own humility. And just like, um, I think it was Jen who was saying, putting my trust in so many different other things. I was there too. And it was in 2002 where I realized I was putting my trust in the friends I rolled with, the status of my occupation, the status of my um, uh, 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 significance and success. And I was relying on the wrong things. And it was in a time like this where I was in a church just like this where I prayed a new prayer. And it was laying down my sin, confessing my guilt to the Lord, and knowing that God said he was going to begin lifting me up and give me a brand new start. 
That's the invitation I want to extend to you today. So whether you're in person or online, I'm not going to call you forward or embarrass you. But I do, at the count of three, want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand with no one looking around, just so that you can say up to heaven, God, that's me. I want to start new today. And maybe it'll be your first time. Maybe it'll be the first time in a long time where you say, hey, I, I, I want to come back to Christ and confess my sins and get right with Him today. There's no judgment in the house. In fact, there's nothing but celebration because I've done it too and so many have as well. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, one, come on, it's time for a new start. Two, today is that day. Three, would you just raise your hand up high just so I can see. Yes, I see you. Thank you for being bold. Thank you for being courageous. If you're online, I can't see your hand, but God does see your hand. And all of us together are going to pray a prayer along with you that I'm going to ask you to pray and believe every word that you say as you repeat after me. And this is the start of a brand new life where Jesus has redeemed the old and you get to walk with him in the new. Would you pray, everyone included, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I've made so many mistakes. I know I've sinned. I've failed you in many ways. But I ask you to forgive me. I feel forgiven. And I am released of all guilt. Because Jesus died on that cross. And he is the son of God. And when he did it, he did it to set me free. My old is washed away. My new life has begun because of what Jesus did for me. Jesus, you're the center of my life. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, Live Church. Can we celebrate all the people who made decisions today?